Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you all this morning. I've got good news. Emily, my wife, and I, we have now been married for a happy eight months. Thank you. Thank you. It's been the best eight months of her life. Um, I tell you what, it's been incredible for her. She tells me thank you every morning. It's been pretty incredible. And over the last eight months, we inevitably have discovered differences about one another. You know, for all that time that we dated leading up to it, now we're taking the time to discover our differences. One of those differences is she really enjoys working out. And I do not. I have no interest in that whatsoever. I don't enjoy running. I don't enjoy lifting weights. I don't enjoy any of it. And when I met her, she was doing CrossFit. And that's like the worst kind of working out. I mean, that's just, no. And she's super intentional. And and she even wants to get up early in the morning to go work out. And it's been the best eight months of her life. And, and as we get up early, she has her gym bag, she has all of the equipment, and we get to the gym. And well, I enjoy walking. And so as she goes from machine to the weights, to stretching, back to a machine, I'm there just walking. And eventually I get bored with walking, and every now and then I might mosey on over to a machine, and I'm the guy who's reading the instructions on how to use that particular machine, and I'm just moseying around. It's extremely, very unintentional. But we were doing it for a hot bit, and, and in the midst of going to the gym and uh, here and there and me and my lackadaisical workouts, one would think that eventually, eventually there would be some sign of growth that I would that there'd be some form of conditioning somewhere in my body that I could yes I am fit now you know with all of those unintentional workouts and then one day we decide as a life group to go bowling well that consists of picking up a ball about once or twice every 10 minutes or so and we went for a couple hours Two days later, I wake up, and my right arm is so sore. And I'm thinking to myself, why is, I must have had a great workout yesterday. And then it hits me, we didn't work out yesterday, and oh no, it was from bowling that I am so sore. You know, from all of those unintentional, lackadaisical workouts. Meanwhile, Emily's just killing it. She shows up to the gym, and she is She is just going from machine to machine, so incredibly intentional. She's following an app. She knows exactly what she's doing. She has the right drinks, the right equipment, everything. Because of her intentionality, she finds success. She finds enjoyment. She finds growth. You see, intentionality with all things is key. We can do difficult things in hopes of growing or learning or or getting fit, or learning a new trade, or hobby. But if we are not intentional with the learning 
curve. If we're not intentional with the process, it really does not matter. It's the same thing with trying to be generous. We can think to ourselves all we want about how we are going to be generous. We can look the part. We can come to church. We can do all sorts of different things. But if we are unintentional with being generous, giving what we know cannot be repaid, if we are not intentional with that process, we will never actually find ourselves growing in generosity. And I've been given the fun topic of finances this week. You see, oftentimes uh, in, in our attempts to be generous, we will throw a $20 bill here or there. When asked about it on a whim, someone will come to us and, and they say, hey, can you donate to this? Can you donate to that? We might even come to church and do a quick giving online. But the fact of the matter is we remain unintentional with the process. It would be no different than me walking into a gym, finding a random weight that's about, I don't know, five pounds, and they start going to town. And I think to myself, oh, of course I'm going to grow in this. No, it's not going to happen. Unless I do it about a thousand times, well, that's not going to happen either. If I, if we are not intentional with building the generous muscle within ourselves, there will be no growth. And so today we we're talking finances. You know I'm the low man on the totem pole when they give me finances to talk about. The last two weeks we discussed generosity and relationships. And what that means for us and how we dive into forgiving one another and being generous with how we view one another. Last week Dave walked us through what it is to be generous with our hospitality. And this week we discuss what it is to be generous with our finances. Well, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Why is it so important? Why is financial generosity so important for our relationship with God? Why is financial generosity so important with our relationship with God? You know, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18 today, and I would invite you to begin turning with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be in starting in verse 18. But before we get there, you should know this. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18. But before we get there, just a, about a chapter and a half before this, Christ began entering into a topic that everyone wanted to hear about. It was the kingdom of God. And Christ, as he's walking through this, he begins listing out the type of people that will begin to experience this. Furthermore, he goes on to say, hey, the kingdom of God, heaven, eternity, that which we are all wanting and striving for, it's not just a future goal. It's here in the present. And that's paradigm shifting. Wait a minute. You're telling me the kingdom of God, heaven, the thing that I'm waiting for, it's in the now? Christ is saying, yes, it's in your Midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And as Christ goes on to talk about these different people who will experience it, here comes in Luke chapter 18, starting in 18, verse 18, here comes this rich ruler. He has everything figured out for his life. He has everything that everybody would ever want. He has the answers to everything. 
And as Christ begins talking about this kingdom of God, people are listening in, hoping to hear the, the magical formula on what it is so that they could experience heaven someday. Christ tells them, it's going to cost you nothing, but it will require, it will require everything. It'll cost you nothing, but it will require everything. And your degree of intentionality is going to be the key to it all. So if you'll join me, starting in 18 of chapter 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, in this moment, here comes this rich ruler, supposedly having all of the answers, and he's like, I know how to get my way into heaven. I tell the teacher that he's good. He smoozes his, he's trying to flatter his way into the kingdom of God. He's thinking that if I call the teacher good, then maybe he will call me good back. And immediately Jesus shoots that down. He's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think you know what good is. That's why you called me good. You think you know what good is, but let me tell you something. No one is good except God alone. So if you're calling me good, you better be calling me God. And if you're calling me good because you think that you're good, we got something else to discuss. Because no one is good except God alone. You see, here this ruler and everybody listening at this point in time, they're thinking this guy is the one that we should be living up to. He's living the dream. He's walking. He's the walking definition of what it is to be good. But if we continue then in the verse 20, Jesus kind of gives them a diagnostic. Let's figure out if you're good. Let's determine if you're actually what you think you are. Verse 20, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And look at the response of this ruler. All these I have kept from my youth. Now this ruler, he's thinking to himself, oh, right. I just checked off every box that Jesus gave me. Yeah, I meet the diagnostic. I am good. It's kind of a little cantankerous thought if you ask me. You see, any good Jew at this point in time, any Jew would have recognized what Jesus is doing here. Jesus gives out five of the Ten Commandments. Now, you don't have to know the Ten Commandments, but he's listing out five of them. These five commandments are all dealing with a specific range. That range is all horizontal. It's all external. It's these things that we can do and show the world, yeah, I have done all of these I have honored my father and mother since I was a child. I have never stolen. I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. These things that it's so easy to go down the checkbox and say, I have not done these. But here's the thing. There's still five remaining. And this ruler, in his audacity... He decides, I'm not going to address these. I'm just going to give what Jesus has given me, and I'm going to say, yes, I have, I have checked off the to-do list. I have marked those off. Therefore, I am good. I have done everything. 
But then as we go into verse 22, as we go into verse 22, here's what Jesus' response is. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, he said to the ruler, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he, the ruler, heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. In this moment, we recognize what Christ was doing the entire time. He lists out the five commands. He lifts out the five commandments that are all external in nature. But what Christ didn't do is address the other five commands. And we don't have to list them off to know that those five other commands, and if you don't, don't take my word for it, go look them up. Those five other commands deal specifically with the heart. Where is the heart of the ruler? Is the heart devoted to God? Is the heart in faith with God? Is the heart ready to do all that is necessary for the kingdom of God to not only be experienced by him, but to then be portrayed and displayed to the entire world? And we recognize that the answer is no. Because had the ruler's heart been intentionally wrestling with God, this ask of Jesus would have been an automatic default affirmative. But instead, it was a response of sadness. You see, this man, this ruler, he looked like he was the one who had been going to the gym. He had all the right clothes. He drank all the right drinks. He even, he even had the right lingo. Everyone looked at him and said, yeah, you go to the gym. But underneath the facade of the clothing, underneath the facade of the lingos and all the right equipment, this man had never engaged with wrestling with what God would have for him. This man was only concentrating on himself. He never lived an intentional moment as to figure out what God's plan would be for him. You see, it was always about how this man's heart had been imprisoned by the God of riches, money, greed, and coveting. It was never about how this man looked. It was never about how this man behaved. It wasn't even about the money. Can I just say this for a second? Generosity of finances isn't about how much or how less we are giving, how much money we do or don't have, the percentage or the ratio or whatever it is. It's not about how much we are giving. It's about our heart in the midst of the giving or lack of giving. You see, friends, one cannot truly be generous if they are not intentional. <laughs> Forgive me for the slides there. One cannot truly be generous if they are not intentional. This individual is walking around in his life, and he has everything right. He has every check mark or to-do list item marked off. But he's never once been intentional with discovering what God would have for him. He's never once been intentional with discovering what God might have better in store for him. He's been resting in his wealth. But if we continue then in Luke chapter 18, verse 24, after this man has now realized, wait a minute, I maybe am not what I think I was. Verse 24, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said this, how difficult it is for those 
who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, first off, we, we, we've learned now, you, we cannot be generous if we are not intentional. If we're not intentionally wrestling with what God has before us, we cannot be generous. We'll never grow the generous muscle that is required for us to be free from other gods. And in this case now, what Christ is saying, hey, look, if you have wealth, recognize this. The temptation to rest in that wealth will be exponentially higher if you didn't have it than if you didn't have it. And he's saying, for those who have wealth, it is as hard for you to enter into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And yes, we are talking about the threading needle. The eye of a threading needle, it would be, and so basically just like, look, it's impossible. A wealthy man, a wealthy person cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And when Christ says the kingdom of God, he's not just talking about down the road post-death. He's talking about the kingdom of God in the present. And so if we have people coming to us and they say, you know, I really don't feel God in my life. I don't experience God in my life. I don't have his peace. I don't have his hope. I don't have his love. They talk about God's goodness all the time, and I really am not experiencing it. The first thing that we need to ask, well, where are you intentionally wrestling with God in your life? Because the fact of the matter remains is that so many of us, we come to church and we just unintentionally do the thing that we're supposed to do and we don't wrestle through it. We don't ask what could be more from us. And we stay imprisoned to these false gods outside of these buildings, outside of these walls. And one of those gods, one of those things that we stay imprisoned to is the God of money, is the God of Wealth. A wealthy person on their own cannot enter into the kingdom of God in the present. Wealth, it serves as this pseudo-savior, offering rest and peace. But we all know, as long as we're striving after wealth, we can never have enough wealth. You see, the rich ruler had surrendered his entire heart to his wealth. And what we have to realize is that when we surrender our hearts to something, whether it be wealth, or success, or fame, or impact, or influence, whatever it might be, a great family, whatever we surrender our heart to, it's as if we're taking a padlock and locking around our heart. Closing that piece of our heart off from the impact or the influence that God would have for us. Every ounce of this man's wealth acted as a different padlock, preventing him from experiencing all that God would have for him. When our hearts remain locked to God, we don't build the muscles of rest, joy, peace, hope, and love that God would have for us because our entire energy is spent on holding on to the things that we think will give us rest. And in this case, it was the finances. As long as we hang on, as long as we hang on with closed fists to the finances that we think will give us this rest, we will never actually experience what God would have to replace in our hands. We remain imprisoned, locked away from the impact of God. As we go on to verse 26 then. Those around, so first and foremost we have the rich ruler who's hearing all of these things. But at the same time that Jesus is talking to this rich ruler, there's a whole bunch of people listening in. 
wondering, okay, we're going to hear what Christ has to say to this man, and whatever he says to this man, we're going to follow. We're going to do exactly what Christ says. But then they find out this. And so they're wondering to themselves, well, then who can be saved? They're thinking to themselves, wait a minute. If this man, who's got all the answers, who's clearly done everything right in life, if he can't enter into the kingdom of God, then who can? And this was Jesus' entire point. He wanted everybody to hear this. Because the whole point is, nobody can. Nobody on their own can enter into the kingdom of God. Nobody on their own can begin experiencing the peace, the hope, the love, the joy, the rest that God would have for us today. But here's what Christ says. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And no, this does not mean that I can jump off this balcony and begin flying. Could God make that possible? Absolutely. But before we take that verse and start running with it, understand that what he is saying in this moment, that what is impossible with man to enter into the kingdom of God on their own, it is more than possible with God. More than possible with God. And all of a sudden we begin to realize it's not about being rich or poor. It's about where our heart is. And it's about the heart of the person who is truly seeking after the kingdom. It's not about how rich we are. It's not about how poor we are. As I said before, there is no amount or percentage that we can give away to check off the to-do list to be in right standing with God, it's all about giving all of our heart. You see, this isn't about another command. It was easy for the man to say, yes, I've followed that rule, I followed that rule, I followed that rule, I followed that rule. No, 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 Christ isn't setting for us a new command that as long as you give 10%, 20%, 50%, as long as you are giving an X amount of your paycheck each and every week, then you're good. The fact remains is that some of us in this room we give 10% diligently because that's how we were raised. And we're like, yeah, I'm giving 10% every single week. I'm good. I don't even have to listen to this financial generosity speak because it's not for me. I'm already generous. And the fact is, you're wrong. Because you are being so unintentional with how you're wrestling with what God would have for you. You are imprisoned with this padlock thinking to yourself that you have followed the to-do list and you think too high of yourself like this rich ruler. Some of us, we come in here and we think to ourselves, well, you know, I, 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 I'll give when I have more. When, when God makes me richer, then I will start giving. Then, friends, can we, can we recognize for a moment, that's like someone who is out of shape telling a personal trainer, I'll wait to go to the gym until I get fit on my own. And so when we tell God, God, if you make me richer, then I will start giving. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. You practice financial generosity and you begin to invite God to do a divine work on your heart. We want God's peace. We want God's rest. We want God's hope, love, and joy. But we aren't willing to give up anything for it. Friends, it won't cost you a thing to get into the kingdom of God, but it will require everything of your heart. What are you holding back from God? If we want to experience all that God would have for us, it begins with the sacrificial letting go, and this includes our finances, so that the power of the kingdom of God might be unleashed into our lives. And all of a sudden, we begin to have a testimony like no one else in this world. You see, in asking the ruler to sell everything, 
and asking the ruler to give away everything. It wasn't about setting the standard. Please do not hear what the scripture is not saying. Scripture is not telling us right now to then write a blank check to that person on the street or write a blank check to, to whatever organization. The scripture is not asking us to give away everything of our material possessions. Scripture is asking to give everything that our heart is holding on to and place it into the hands of God. And when we do this, when we begin to let go of things in our heart, when we begin to let go, God then receives the keys that we've been holding on to and he begins unlocking each padlock on our heart so that we could experience what he would have us experience in this world presently. You see, every time we practice sacrificial generosity, we invite God to do what only he can do what is impossible for man to experience true rest, true peace, true hope, love, and joy. God is saying, I can do it if you would let me. This isn't about a command to burden us all the more. This is about letting go of the keys to our hearts so that God can come in and unlock them and that he can truly begin building generous muscle within our spiritual lives. So that when we give, we don't give out of obligation or burden. But all of a sudden when we give, we know that God is going to do something more than we could ever imagine with it. And we can rest in that. And we can have joy in that. And we can have peace and hope. And all of a sudden, God has given us a testimony to display to the world. And when we are no longer imprisoned to the God of money, all of our coworkers and friends and family, they're wondering, whoa, you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have this. How in the world can you be a, a happy individual? And all of a sudden, I get to say, I don't need to cling to anything material because that will fade away. I have something that will be eternal, and that eternity begins now. Financial generosity isn't about having another role. It's about experiencing the power of the kingdom of God in our lives. But so often we allow our hands we allow our hands to be tied down with the locks, our hands to be tied down with these weights as we cling to the keys saying, no, 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 I'm going to keep on walking with all of these weights tied behind me because these weights one day will give me rest. These weights one day will give me the peace I strive for. Because let's be honest, friends, we strive to hang on to our wealth, not for the wealth in and of itself. We strive to hang on to our wealth because we believe it will give us ultimately what we want peace and rest so that we no longer have to keep on striving in this world and Christ says give me the keys to your heart and I will give you the rest you've been looking for as we continue in scripture as we recognize that when we practice sacrificial generosity we invite God to do only what he can do. We cannot be generous if we are not intentional, but every time we practice sacrificial, generous giving, we invite God to do more and more and more into our lives. But only he can do it. What is impossible with man is so much more possible with God. Verse 28 then goes on to say this. So we have the rich ruler. We have three different groups of people. The rich ruler... Everyone else who's listening, but the disciples are there as well. And on behalf of the disciples, Peter, he steps up and he's like, I'm going to make sure everyone knows where I'm at. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And Christ said to them, truly I say to you, 
There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Friends, we read this verse and we're thinking to ourselves, yeah, if, I, if, if it means I'm going to receive many times more, I'm going to give over everything. <laughs> this is what we call it, the faith, the, the, the health and wealth gospel. As long as I give, then I'm going to get more and more back. And well, the fact is, the truth is, you will. The more faith you have, you will get all the more. It says it right there in Scripture. You're going to receive many times more in this life. The more that you give. But friends, we go back and recognize this isn't about how much we give financially. This isn't about how much we give of our material belongings. This isn't how many checks we can write and give to every organization or to this church. It all comes from the heart. And yes, you may be giving 50% of your paycheck, but if you are not wrestling with God to discover what he would have for you, that 50% of your paycheck is just unintentional. It's not actually generous giving. It's you checking a to-do list off and saying, I'm good. And then Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 no. Only God is good. You cannot set yourself free. You cannot, you cannot manipulate peace. You cannot uh, manufacture rest for yourself. You know, so often, like I said before, we come in and we, we want to drop $20 off into the offering box. So often we'll write that check and we'll just not even think about it. Oftentimes we might even give simply out of the pure emotions of it. We're struck on the little heartstrings and like, yeah, I'll give to that. Oftentimes, let's be honest, we give so that when the giving sermon comes up, we don't feel guilty. We do it so we can point out that we already checked that to-do list item off. And so in attempting to remind Jesus, we get a sense that Peter is actually no different than the rich ruler. Peter has given everything to follow Jesus. And as he says all of this, all of a sudden we recognize, wait a minute, Peter is doing the same thing the rich ruler was doing. He's just looking externally. He wants the world to recognize he has checked off that to-do list. Friends, I'm inviting us to go beyond the rich ruler. I'm inviting us to go beyond the crowd. I'm inviting us to go even beyond Peter. Would we begin to truly wrestle and instead of focusing on our outward behavior, would we actually wrestle with what God would have for us? If God came to you and said, hey, in this moment, I need you to give 50% of your paycheck, what is your answer? And I promise you, 99% of us are like, huh? And if we, friends, let's be honest, if we balk at God's request for 50% of our paycheck, then we are no different than the rich ruler. And you're like, Justin, that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. God would never. Friends, if, you, if we can't imagine a world where God could use 50% of our paycheck greater than what we could ever use it for, then we are falling short in our faith and we are still imprisoned to the God of money and greed and finances. How many of us, myself very much included, are truly wrestling to determine what God would have for us in our lives today? Friends, when we intentionally wrestle, when we go to the gym and intentionally begin engaging with actual weights, 
We then give God the keys to our heart so God can do what no man could do. And he unlocks the padlocks from our heart, from our spiritual bodies. You see, when we hold back from God, and let's be honest, some of us, we, we, we simply don't ask because we're afraid. We don't want to wrestle because we're afraid of what God might ask from us. When we hold back from God, it is no different than going to the gym and continuing to lift five-pound weights because we're scared of the pain, what 50 pounds might do. When we hold back from God, we are saying that the money we are holding on to is a better source of rest than what God would have us experience. When we hold back from God, it's not that we are not following a rule. It's not about the rules. When we hold back from God, it's us keeping ourselves from his strength, his power, and his love. As we enter into the week of all weeks, Ben was very intentional when he asked me to do this, and I'm going to ask Dave to come on up as he plays us out. As we enter into the week of all weeks, this is Thanksgiving, the day of of heightened generosity, the height of saying thank you, and all of a sudden we go into Black Friday in the Christmas season. There is no season like this season because it's during this season that we are the most intentional with how we spend our money. In fact, all of us, we're, we're going to our budgets and we're determined, we have an entire budget line for Christmas spending. There is no day other than Black Friday that we are simply checking off how can we intentionally invest this money to make ourselves happy and happy, those happy around us. Friends, how much more so should we be intentional about how we are investing into the kingdom of God? I mean, imagine the testimony for those of you who have children, imagine the testimony where all of a sudden this Christmas season, there's going to be fewer presents underneath that tree. Imagine the testimony that instead of going shopping or doing this or, or creating this chaotic nature of, of going after everything, imagine the testimony to your children when they recognize what you're doing. When you take a step back because you've wrestled with God, and yeah, there may not be as many presents under the tree, there may not be as many things in the stocking, but imagine the testimony when you decide, I'm going to wrestle with God in this season, and I'm going to figure out where he would have me invest into his kingdom before I invest in my own kingdom. Your kids may not like it. Your friends and family, they may not like it. But what would it look like if we as a church began truly investing and wrestling with what it would be to invest into the kingdom of God more? Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that buying gifts is wrong. By no means. I'm not saying that. But how often do we walk into this church and we just throw a $20 bill in or we, we write that check or we have, we have our automatic giving done online? Me? I just have my I don't even think about what I'm giving. How much more so should I be intentionally wrestling with what God would have me give to the kingdom of God in this season? Friends, my question to you is, what are you holding back from God? How are you preventing God from from his divine work on your heart? And this isn't something that we have to sludge our ways into. Guys, we, we, we know that whatever we give to God, he's going to do exponentially more than what you could ever imagine to do with that. And Christ said to himself, for those who give in this 
life. They will receive that much more in this life. And we've already determined what we want is rest. What we want is love and joy and peace. And we cling to our finest. We cling to our wealth. But ultimately, Christ is saying, give it all up to me and I will give you more and more and more. Yeah, it might not be the way that you expected it or even hoped for. But it'll come if we give. If we give what won't be repaid in the same way. What are you holding back from God? I want to invite you to stand this morning. And Dave's going to close us out with a song. And I'm going to come back up and we'll close with benediction. But friends, this week, this is, this is it. Would you begin intentionally wrestling with God to determine what would God have for me invest in his kingdom? What would God have me give over so that someone else might experience the goodness of God in their life? Would you meditate on that? Would you think about that as Dave plays for us? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true, because I am found. I am yours, I am love, I'm made pure, I have life, I can breathe, I am healed, I am free, oh, here's my heart, Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what? Speak what is true. Let's sing that out one more time. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. When I think about the, uh, these last eight months of marriage to Emily, I wonder what I would look like had I just been intentional going to the gym. Man, I'd be ripped. I'd be jacked. You guys wouldn't even recognize me. I'd look more like Jordan. <laughs> Friends, how much more so? How much more so if we begin to intentionally wrestle with God to allow him to build up in us generous muscles so when it comes time, when it comes time for the big ask, when Christ comes to you and says, are you willing to give everything to experience me? God will have done the divine work that we could never do on our own.
And so God, we come to you this morning and we thank you. And we praise you. And God, we ask for courage and boldness. We ask for perseverance to intentionally engage with you. To understand that there is freedom in giving. Because you are in the midst. Your kingdom is in the midst of us. God, would you go before us? Would all things be held together in you? We love you. We praise you through the power of your Holy Spirit. All in the name of Jesus that we pray and worship and give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.